All right, back at you. Hour three, a great day for talk radio. And uh, at the bottom of the hour, Reggie Cicchini, who is Global Nationals producer on the ground in Washington, he's going to join us, update the file on the Kavanaugh hearing where uh, you heard that clip just moments ago. Uh, He says he likes beer. I mean, for a lot of people, that might might just be, uh, you know, the thing that turns the trick. I like beer. Uh, He's very, very authentic and American, true and true. Well, on a serious note, though, the credibility of uh, either or is, of course, how this all is going to play out. Uh, It hinges on that because it's a he said, she said. Other than that, I don't know that they can verify their respective accounts uh, with any more credible witnesses or uh, names, dates, and plates, uh, places just drilled down on it. So it's come to that. Uh, as I say, we'll visit that story again at the bottom of the hour. The other one I wanted to visit uh, in a little while has to do with the pot rules that were announced earlier today. Vic Fideli, the Minister of Finance, was on with us. He, along with the AG, suggesting this was going to be a model replicating uh, what we do with cigarettes, with tobacco, effectively. Here's what he had to say. There are going to be certain regulations. There'll be a certain look and feel. There'll be a seal of approval, if you will. That's my words. Uh, a sort of a seal on the outside of a building that you'll know you're entering the only Ill, the only place that legally can sell you uh, cannabis that they bought from the only place that can legally distribute it. That's us. All right. Well, uh, there are some folks who kind of quibble with the model. Uh, because if smoking is something that's you know somewhat casual and uh, you're as long as you're nine meters away from the door of an establishment, but is marijuana different? I mean, somebody's got a spliff going, and you know, kids are walking by, families, maybe they don't want to smell that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you know, as has been pointed out by Spence here in his email, uh, so people can walk down the street smoking a mind-altering drug, but not walk in public having a beer. Is that fair? It's a good question. The mayor brought that up. He talked about the pride parade and being able to mill about with an open container. I remember seeing that in Montreal first year I got there. This was back many years ago in the St. Patrick's Day parade. That was something that took me aback because uh, everybody's walking around with the open containers and, you know, kind of sort of staggering around. I was like nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, You know, it's the biggest Irish parade, I believe, outside of Boston. Or maybe New York. Montreal in one uh, in general is wonderful. You go into a store, you buy a single can of beer for a dollar, and what do they give you? A small brown paper bag meant for French fries. I know, like or poutine. Uh, but that's really the beauty of La Belle Province. However, uh, we're going to talk about that here shortly and get your thoughts. As many people are corresponding with me, I'd rather hear you uh, directly tell me whether or not you think the new rules that the Ontario government, Doug Ford's government, has come forward with, if it makes sense to you or no. However, on another matter, uh, it's making a lot of sense to small business operators, what they announced yesterday as well. It has to do with freezing the $14 an hour minimum wage, slated to go to 15 come January 1. That ain't going to happen. They've uh, put a freeze on it for now, as well as rolling back some payroll taxes like the employer's WSIB contribution by about 30%. Weighing in on the matter is our friend Jocelyn Bamford. She's the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario. Jocelyn, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. How are you today? I'm very good. It must be a happy day for you as well with these new, uh, this new law, I guess, or the uh, things that were announced by the Ford government yesterday. Yeah, it feels like finally some sanity is returning to this province after a 
a long many years, I'll tell you. All right. So the freezing of the minimum wage at $14, you can survive with that? Yeah, we, you know, it's been a challenge, and it's been a terrible challenge for a lot of small business owners, um, and, and it continues to be a challenge. So, so we, we fully commend the government for taking a pause, um, doing some studies, and making sure that businesses can afford um, to stay in this province. And the WSIB helps. It, is, it helps offset some of the costs, not all of the costs, because it's still a huge challenge um, for small business to, to grapple with this and stay profitable in this province. So, so we, we absolutely are happy that the government has kept their promises and kept their promises so quickly um, once they took their mandate. Well, you cited studies. I'm kind of curious. I mean, is there any empirical data you can cite on the impact of the minimum wage going to 14 and potentially to $15 an hour that was killing business? I know the stats came out in August on the uh, unemployment figures, you know, that uh, I guess job loss was uh, about 80,000, the bulk of which in Ontario at least were uh, the part-time jobs, which one might assume were minimum wage. But some critics are saying, well, that's no metric because that's just seasonal jobs. Kids are going back to school. What is the data, if you have any, that suggests that the minimum wage was killing business? Yeah, so I went out to my members uh, um, before uh, Bill 148, and I had them do some study on what it would do, and we submitted that to the previous Liberal government. And I ha- and so that so we had forecasted what was going to happen, and then we went back, and I had the, those same members tell me, okay, now really, what's happened? And the numbers are staggering. Um, the numbers uh, that that small business has had to absorb is is astounding. And I have letters with uh, companies looking at their payroll and how much that's impacted them, and we have submitted that to the new government for their review. So that they understand, and you know, the feedback and reading through some of these letters, um, and we've opened up our books, opened up the books. You can see how much the impact has been to us, and and they were astounded. So it is re- very impactful. Um, we do have real life examples of companies. Um, you know, one company cost them a million dollars, um, and and that's all their profit. And so, um, you, you know, you have. You have companies that were profitable to, that are not profitable now, and you can't continue to do that. And the, the reason um, also when you, know, when you talk about that is companies have to keep reinvesting. So that money that they make isn't just free and clear money. In order to compete on a global stage, you have to take all of that money and sink it back into new equipment and, and new proce- processes, ERP systems that are you know, now the, the rage for anybody to be able to really be able to handle their costs. Those systems cost upwards of, of five hundred to a million dollars, and 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 it's just it's astounding when you understand all of the impacts to business. Well, all right now, but on the other side of the ledger, and I've heard our friends on the left are complaining, saying that this is depriving workers of a living wage. Right, and I and I I understand we want to do the best for our employees, and we do, and and minimum wage is something that you start at, and if you're good, you move up the company ranks, and I did a little, you know, little study in my own employees where I walked around and said, how long have you worked here this couple years ago? Tell me about your family. And, and, you know, it felt really good to know that employees were able to put their kids through college um, and, you know, buy a house, and, and we want that. 
but we have to balance the the longevity of our companies as well. So so it's a balance. Um, everybody wants to do right by their employees, but we have to be profitable when we compete on a global stage. Again, Jocelyn Bamford is with us, the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario. Got the good news yesterday uh, that, in fact, the government, the new government of Doug Ford, was freezing the minimum wage as well as rolling back payroll taxes to wit the WSIB contribution from employers by about 30%. And uh, now this is where it gets interesting because, again, you've got folks on the left suggesting that this was going to be done on the backs of injured workers. And you say what, Jocelyn? I say, you know, show me the the study that shows that that is absolutely true. Um, We look after our workers when they're injured. We have we introduce them back into the workplace as soon as we can, and uh, and there there are some studies out there that demonstrate that um, you know the the WSIB um, pri- if you look at private insurance in the United States they offer more robust programs at a, at a cheaper price. So um, I don't believe that that's true. Um, I know that we all look after our workers um, to the uh, the best that we can, and you know nobody wants workers injured. And as I say to my employees all the time, if we lose a, a, a customer, we'll survive. If we lose one of you, we won't. So it, it, it just goes to the narrative that all business owners are evil, bourgeois, sweatshop owners driving their employees. And that there's nothing that could be farther from the truth. And if you come into our plants and you talk to our owners and you talk to our employees, you'll see that that's just not true. All right. Well, and this cut was made possible by reconciling the unfunded liability and again, the claim is that somehow this would uh, diminish the benefits for the injured workers. That was the left's complaint. Finally, I've got to ask you, I know you wrote an op-ed or a letter to the editor yesterday in the National Post, and it had to do with something called Canadians for Clean Prosperity, uh, where a Mr. Cameron, who was one time, uh, I guess, an assistant to Stephen Harper, the prime minister, is talking about a carbon tax, uh, a carbon tax and dividend would actually be better for uh, lower income Canadians. They'd get more money back in a rebate than they'd have to pay in a carbon tax. And he thinks, well, because the bigger businesses who are the bigger emitters would have to pay the bulk of the tax. Therefore, it was a wonderful system. You dispute that. Yeah, absolutely. And and when when we were looking at the cap and trade system and, and carbon tax, it was those large uh, companies that got credits, and it was on the backs of small to medium-sized business because we couldn't opt in to that cap and trade system. So I don't know anywhere in any um, environment where you pay taxes and it's a good thing for you and you, and it's actually better for you. Well, you know, know how, <laughs> let me just cut you cut to the, it, you know what it is, it's wealth redistribution by another means. It's the cap and trade or it's the cap, uh, the carbon tax and dividend system. Right. And, and, absolutely, and so here's the scenario that I think is best for the province. Create an environment that businesses can, can thrive and they can hire more people, and then they can promote more people, and, and then everybody benefits. If you create an environment where businesses can't thrive and, and have to either move, lay off workers, automate, those things are not the best um, scenario for workers. And having um, people uh, pay carbon taxes will drive up prices for everyone. 
um, in every level of the economy. You're going to have to pay it on your gas. You're going to have to pay it on your home heating. If you rent an apartment, the owner of that apartment is going to have to. Move so you're that saying on. the dividend itself will not cover that? It Absolutely. won't more. Absolutely. And, right. and, and have you ever seen a scenario where you paid more in taxes and it was a good thing for you? Uh, no, that would be the easy <laughs> answer on that one, Jocelyn. We'll let you go on that note. I always appreciate your time. Hey, thanks very much. We do want to say we need pipelines and we need NAFTA because there's so many jobs in Ontario that depends on it. And and so we need the federal government to get in line. <laughs> Amen to that. Jocelyn Bamford is always uh, an interesting guest in this program, the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Ontario. You know, this is the government uh, who came out with this whole, uh, well, thing yesterday. The They cut the minimum, they cut, they froze the minimum wage as well as the uh, payroll tax, the WSIB, but today uh, the ruling on pot sales has kind of got some people perplexed because they're modeling it after tobacco sales. Some are saying we'd be better served if it were replicating liquor sales.